What is up, everybody? How are we doing this morning? We're doing good? I've asked you that question like six times a day. Um, and you guys keep saying good. Oh. Um, hey, uh, you guys have your Bibles? You have your Bible? Awesome. Go ahead and open up 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Gosh, this. Cool, cool, cool. Give me a thumbs up when you guys are there. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, cool. Chapter 6, verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. I'm going to read it for us and we'll begin. Just so you guys know, we're talking about sexual purity. If you guys didn't already get that. Um, Hey, before I even start, before I even read this, I want you guys to know, this is not just something that I'm getting up on a stage speaking to you um, without actually firsthand experience um, with sexual sin. That's, that's number one, okay? So first of all, I don't want you guys to make any mistakes. I have fallen to sexual sin in my past many, many times. And so I want you guys to understand something about this, is that like, this is something that is happening in probably 99.9% of us. And so this isn't just something for the, for the 10% of us that actually struggle with it. If we're being honest with ourselves, most of us struggle with these things. That's number one. Number two is that this is not just my opinion, okay? This is... And I pray and I hope that this is from the word of God. And I prepared it to be such. But I, I hope you guys know that in, in a world that surrounds you with opinion after opinion and, and quick fixes to things, I hope and pray that you guys would recognize that this isn't just me speaking, that this is actually the word of God. And this is what we actually find in God's word. And so, and God's word is clear. And it's... It's, it's not something we have to dive, dissect, and we don't have to be biblical theologians to be able to understand what God is saying through Paul in this passage. We can take it directly from the Lord. And so, that being said, let me just read this real quick. Verse 18, here's what it says. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, this morning as we talk about sexual purity and what it means to be pure, Lord, I think and I pray first and foremost that we recognize purity is more about who we love than the things that we are to do and not do. And so, God, help us to gain a greater understanding of who you are this morning. As a result from that, may we love you more because we know more about you. And in loving you more, God, may the things of this world and the desires of the flesh and all these things that distract us begin to fade in light of who you are. 
And God, we pray these things. We know that you are a good God, and so we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I was reading an article recently. Uh, it was talking about the average amount of time a student spends on their phone. Um, the average amount of time. And when I tell you the number, you're going to be shocked to find out that's the average. That there's people that are way below that, and that there's people way above it. That's what an average is. Some of you guys like, I do math. I know math. Um, and so just so you guys know, I mean, I was reading this, this article, and it was talking about the amount of time, like I said, students are spending on their phone, not just on specific apps, just screen time in general. And so this number isn't just representing, man, the amount of time students are on Instagram. It's the amount of time students are on different apps, um, whether it be for school, for different stuff, YouTube, um, you know, educational purposes, education, YouTube, education, whatever. Um, but for the rest of the apps as well. And so just so you guys know that this number isn't just about TikTok or Instagram. That being said, the number is astounding. The average amount of time teenagers spend on their phone just in America on average is nine hours a day. Students spend or teenagers spend about nine hours on average on their phone every single day. That's more time you spend in school. That is more time you spend definitely on your homework, I hope. Um, that is more time you spend reading, doing sports, all these things. And what we've seen is that our lives have been dominated by external factors. Our lives have been dominated by these external things and circumstances and situations that we somehow have to know about constantly. Back before social media and all these different things, before our phones and iPhones and everything, you would have your life, you'd be focusing on sports, on school, on uh, your friend group, youth group, whatever it might be in, in the young Christian's life, those things would dominate your life. And then you would figure out, man, from your friends, what's going on in each other's life. Well, now, nine hours a day is the amount of time the American teenagers are spending on their phones. That becomes the centerpiece of everything that they do in their day. Because... You're focusing on school, then you're on your phone. You're focusing on sports, then you're on your phone. You're, you're, you're focusing on your friend group, then you're on your phone. All these things revolve around, essentially, the amount of time you spend on your phone. And so that being said, we know, as young people, that the phone is a major source of temptation for us. Many of us do feel guilty when we're on our phone for four hours straight. Many of us would recognize, man, I've been on my phone way too long. I need to put it down. Well, many of us scroll, 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 and scroll, and then something will pop up. We'll get tempted, and we'll fall into that temptation. And not just fall into temptation, we'll pursue that thing. Whatever it is that we saw, we want more of. And then when we want more of it, well, just continuing to want, to want, to want, never being fully satisfied. And so today we're talking about purity, and the reason I bring that up is because purity is a matter of two things. 
when you read the Bible, you recognize that the Bible doesn't tell you about social media. It doesn't tell you about boyfriends and girlfriends. It doesn't tell you about pornography. It doesn't tell you about all these things. It tells you what is sexual immorality, one. It tells you what that is. And it says to avoid it at all costs. Those are the two main things that it talks about. It tells you what sexual immorality is, which is any sort of sexual sin. We'll talk about the definition for sexual immorality. And then it talks about the fact that you need to avoid it at all costs, especially if you're a believer. For some of us who aren't believers in this room, and then for some of us who are, I want you to know this, this message is directed primarily to believers. Why? Because... Without Christ, we have no hope in fighting the sin. We have no hope in actually living a life for Christ. And you might try to do enough good things. You might try to remove yourself enough away from this sin as possible. It'll continue to creep back in your life. On that note as well, what we're seeing with young men specifically, and young women, it's increasing. But young men, the statistics of young men struggling with an addiction pornography has grown over the past couple years. It's grown uh, for about 65-70% over the past 20 years. Now it's at about 80% of young men struggle with an addiction to pornography. And when you look at the statistics and you actually see this is the statistics of all the world, of all teenagers, but when you dive into the church, that statistic doesn't really change that much. It's not doesn't go down, really. Maybe just a little bit, but it stays kind of right around that area, 80%. And the statistics of young women struggling with the same thing is rising. So we have to ask ourselves this question, why is this happening? Is this something we can even handle? Because it seems like it's just dominating our lives. And the second question we got to ask ourselves is this, man, how, how do we fight it? I mean, it, it, it seems like, man, the tactics we use from day to day aren't working, I'm trying just to stop doing these things tell our bros about it, we tell our sisters in Christ about it, we tell our sisters in Christ and our brothers in Christ and the struggles that we're having with our boyfriend and girlfriend. Yet we're all struggling with the same thing when it ends up happening, when everybody struggles with the same thing is that we just fall back into it. We don't, I keep using that word fall. In fact, we choose to do it over and over and over again. And when we look at secular culture, even secular culture, psychology, all these things Outside of the church, when I say secular, it just means outside of the church and outside of the believing Christian. You look at psychology, they're even starting to understand that this is really bad for us. That pornography is really, really bad for our minds. And when we recognize, when something, when we see that secular culture is starting to recognize and catch up with the church on this, and we actually got to start asking ourselves the question, how do we stop this? Because if secular culture is saying it, it must be bad. So as we read this passage, 
I hope we can figure out, man, what does it mean to be sexually pure? Like I said earlier, sexual purity is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of wisdom. So first, let's look at the heart. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside of the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your, temp- that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. If we are Christians, if we call ourselves believers and God has transformed us, then all these things that we struggle with, all these things that, that cause us temptation and the things that we fall into, the things that we choose to do with our bodies and with our minds that are not of God, that are sin, those things separate us from God. When you look at scripture, you look at all of creation, you look at all of scripture, all of humanity, the history of everybody who's ever existed, you look back at Adam and Eve and you see that when Adam and Eve sinned, there was this separation that happened between them and God. And in a way, that separation was impossible to close. And now as a Christian... It talks about this in, in, in the Gospels when Jesus, when we believe in Jesus, that he died for our sins, we surrender our lives to him and we repent of our sin and we believe in the name of Jesus Christ. That separation is no longer. We have communion with God. Communion means that we have this relationship with God. God is in us and we are in God. But that's not to say that our sin does not affect that relationship that we have with God. And you might have even felt it as you're at home and you struggle to be pure and as you're struggling with these specific sins, you almost ask yourself the question, I mean, is God even here right now? Am I even close to him right now? I feel that as though I'm far away from him. Well, there's no mystery behind that. Why? Because the truth of the matter is, is that within us we have the presence of the living God if we're a Christian And the presence of the living God cannot be in the same place as our sin. And so when the Holy Spirit living within us, when when we sin with our bodies, it says it in Ephesians that we grieve the Holy Spirit. And it makes him sad. Not only that, we experience separation from him. And I ask for you guys who believe in Jesus Christ and if you truly love God and you truly want to know him on a greater level and as you're up here at a Christian camp and you feel close to him and you have this thing called the camp high is what people talk about. When you go down the hill, you feel distant from him. If you truly love him, then you would want nothing more than to be pure. Why? Because purity is what intimacy is all about. When you are pure in your walk with Christ, when the things of the world begin to fade, and the only thing that matters is Jesus and your relationship with him, then the last thing you would want to do is to separate and sever that relationship. And that's what happens when we fall into sexual sin. There's a level of distance that takes place. 
David talks about it in his Psalms. In fact, we're going to go there in a second. And oftentimes we talk about not doing this, not doing that, not doing this. The last thing we need to do is just to stop doing these things. And the first thing we need to do is to ask ourselves, who do we love? Who do we love? Because if we love the Lord, then having a boyfriend in which you know that you're going to fall into sexual sin over and over and over and over again is the last thing you'd recognize. You'd recognize that's the last thing I need what I need right now is to be close to the Lord. What I need is the Lord. And if I'm going to just constantly be alone with my boyfriend or girlfriend and cross boundaries, the last thing I need to do is stop asking the question, how far is too far, and not get anywhere close to the line. Because the moment we get close to the line, we'll just cross over every single time. You're kidding yourself if you think, man, I am strong enough to be alone with my girlfriend for hours and not struggle with sexual sin. We're kidding ourselves. And in these moments, guys, when you're facing temptation, when you're on your bed alone at night, and when you're struggling with these things, and when we read, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit living within you, whom you have from God, you are not your own, You were bought with a price, remembering that you were bought with a price, that Jesus Christ had to die in order that you might be saved. That he took upon the wrath of God, that God himself had to kill his own son on your behalf. When you lay alone in your bed at night and you remember these things, and you recognize in your heart, man, I love God. The last thing I want to do is to sever that relationship. And the last thing I would want to do is to be unwise with the things that I'm doing so that I'm put in a position to sin and then the cycle continues. Many of us, we have great, you know, we have a good week, perhaps this week, and I hope and pray that this week is one of those good weeks. You have a good week, you have one bad night, and then you have four bad weeks. And the cycle perpetuates itself. And so what we need to recognize and what we need to do is break the cycle. And so what I'm telling you guys right now is something has to change in your life. You can't expect, man, just from one moment where we're talking about sexual purity, that to sustain you for the next 360 days a year. What you need is a daily renewal. A daily renewal. You need to align your heart. Like we said, purity is a matter of the heart. You need to align your heart with the Lord every single morning. For those of us that don't really care, maybe some of us struggle with sexual sin, yet we don't really care. We're like, yeah, sometimes I feel bad about it, but most of the time I'm just going to continue to do this because I like to. In fact, I'll give my life to the Lord when I'm 24. So I'm going to have my fun, and then one day I'll give my life to the Lord. Can I just tell you this right now? If you have that attitude, and you're actually unrepentant about your sin, then you don't know the Lord. And you haven't been transformed by Jesus Christ. And you are not promised tomorrow. And can I just ask this week that you would give your life to the Lord? I beg you. Surrender. Repent of your sin. And surrender your life to the Lord. 
that he might transform your thoughts and your actions to where actually now you're convicted about your sin and you want to be as far away from your sin as possible. For the rest of us who know this, who feel the conviction whenever we sin and fall into sexual sin, I want you to know that sexual sin and purity is not just about the heart, but it's about wisdom as well. And so if you can say, man, I just want to be close to the Lord. I just want to please him. I want to honor him with my body. I want to do all these things. But you don't have wisdom, then we don't have any shot either. Why? Because you might desire to know the Lord. You might have a desire and your heart might be aligned with God. Yet you're spending all this alone time with your boyfriend, just alone with them. Or you're in a relationship in which you're crossing boundaries all the time, time and time again, yet you continue to tell yourself, man, things are going to change, things are going to change, things are going to change. And they never will until you make a decision. And then for the rest of us who struggle with sexual sin on our phones and on our laptops, who struggle with these things, and we don't have wisdom... And it's less about wisdom, it's more about shame. We feel guilty having to get rid of our iPhone because we'll look weird. Or we'll feel weird having to delete Instagram or TikTok because it's causing us all this temptation or deleting our Safari and making sure that nobody, that, that I don't know how to download apps again. All those things, they may look weird to the outside world, but can I just tell you, those things are wisdom. Why? Because if you're spending nine hours a day on your phone scrolling, you're bound to be, temptation is bound to bear its face to you. You're bound to fall into temptation when you're spending all this time scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. You're on TikTok, you're on Instagram. And most of us, I would say, are not strong enough in our faith and in our walk to actually have these things. Why? Because they're a window into our world where the world is trying to get at our desires and our lusts and all these things. So you got to ask yourself in wisdom, man, can I have these things? Am I strong enough to actually spend nine hours a day on my phone? I might answer the question for you. No. It is not wise to spend that much time on your phone. And there's no mystery as to why you feel close to God up here to humiliate Christian camps, that you feel, man, that the Lord and you are, are actually walking together. It's because you've been wise, or maybe not been wise, but those things have been stripped from you, and you're in the word of God on a daily basis. There's no reason that that cannot continue as you're down the hill. Guys, turn over to Psalms chapter 19. And I didn't really talk about that last verse, but even just as we talked about, man, every other sin is outside the body, yet sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Before I get into what's in Psalm 19, I just want to talk briefly about what he's talking about. What Paul is talking about in that instance, and when he's talking about sexual immorality, he's talking about a sin 
And I'm going to define sexual morality for those of you guys who don't know this. And for those of you guys who might get offended at me, I'd love to talk to you after and answer any questions you have. But sexual morality is anything. Any sexual intimacy or sexual, sexuality outside of a marriage between a man and a woman. Whether it be through the mind or through the body. That is what sexual immorality is. That's how the Bible defines it. That's how the Old Testament defines it. And when they talk in the New Testament about sexual morality, they're talking about the same thing. It's throughout Scripture. It's not a, it's not a matter of context. It's not a matter of what did Paul actually mean when he was talking to this group of people. It's a matter of Christians and what we believe. Sexual immorality is any sexual intimacy, whether it be through the mind or through the body, with anybody that is not your husband or your wife. And so when Paul was talking about it, when he says every other sin is outside of the body, yet the sexual immorality is a sin against your own body, what he's saying is there's natural consequences for your sin. And in that day, there was diseases that were going on in the, in the people. STDs I mean, it was rampant back in the day during Paul's time. And so what he was talking about is there's this natural consequence that was happening for these people that were falling into sexual sin. And he's saying, man, every other sin is outside of the body, but this one attacks the body. And for those of us who live in today's world, when we're talking about sexual sin, it's not just talking about our bodies, but it's talking about our minds. Most of you, many of you, will be husbands or wives one day, Lord willing, and I pray that that's the case. And what I don't want for you guys, man, Paul is saying sexual sin is, is, is segregated. It's separate from other sins. And in fact, if anything, it's a little bit worse than other sins. Why? Because there's these natural consequences for it. And the last thing I want for you guys is head into the rest of your lives, whether it be with your wives or with your husbands, to be feeling the effects of the sins that you committed throughout up until that point. Because can I just tell you, I'm married. I got married in September. The things just don't, they don't just go away. They're not just, it's not as if they just disappear. So I want more than anything for you guys to understand what it means to live pure lives. Not out of a matter of do this, don't do this, but recognizing our sin is not only an offense before a holy God. God hates our sexual sin. And for those of us who are believers, the Holy Spirit living within us has to see it. And he sees all that we do. And he is with us when we're falling into our temptation. But not only that, not only does it grieve the Holy Spirit, it says, and not only does it make God sad, but it affects our bodies and our minds for years to come. To where the sexual intimacy that we have with our, with our wives, with our husbands are affected. It affects you. Greatly. So when Paul's talking about, and it's a sin against your own body, he's talking about it's not just spiritual consequences, there are natural consequences. We don't want you to deal with those. And so this message is urgent. 
that something in your life would change, that you would make no provision for the flesh, as it talks about in the Bible, and that you guys would make every effort in getting rid of the sin in your life. And if that means that you're not going to spend any alone time with your boyfriend or with your girlfriend, if that means even breaking up with your boyfriend or girlfriend, if that means getting rid of your iPhone, getting a flip phone, if that means deleting your Instagram, deleting your TikTok and all those things, then do it. Then make the decision. This isn't purity culture talking. This is just wisdom. If we say that we want to trust the Lord and we say that we don't want to fall into these temptations anymore, let's put our money where our mouth is and actually make steps into doing so. But I'm, can I just tell you, those things, those are just tools to help you. Ultimately, it's not going to solve the issue. The issue is whether or not your heart is aligned with the Lord. And whether or not you love him and the things of the Lord overshadow the things of the world. And you say, man, I find so much more joy, so much more lasting joy and pleasure and satisfaction in knowing the Lord and having communion with him than anything else. Because I can tell you, can I tell you this? Man, I spent six years in a relationship that I shouldn't have been in. For six years, from the time I was 15 to the time I was 21, I was in a relationship for that long while I was in high school. And I fell into sexual sin over and over and over and over again. And not only that, but there was bitterness, there was anger, there was resentment in that relationship. And I knew that I didn't want to actually spend the rest of my life with this person. I knew that I didn't want to even be with this person at the time. Yet I continued in it because I was following after the flesh. And eventually, man, I was saved at the time. And I know that I was because I was so convicted for my sin and I felt, it felt like I was dying. I felt like, I mean, I'm like, they don't talk about how bad this is in movies. Like, this is terrible. And I was anxious, and there's all this stuff that was going on in my life. And, and you never thought that just a simple, innocent relationship can actually do that. But it was destroying my life at the time. And so what I ended up doing is I ended up breaking up with this person. And in breaking up with this person, it's not like that action is what unlocked something. It's not like, oh, all of a sudden, I was a super godly person. But can I just tell you, when I broke up with this person, I knew that God was calling me to do so. He was pulling on my heart to do it. I was convicted. I knew I had to do it. And I broke up with this person. And what ended up happening was I was actually able to focus on my relationship with the Lord because there's this less of this tug in the other direction and when I severed that tug then I was able to actually spend time with the Lord and find out, man, this relationship with the Lord is more satisfying than anything else. I felt freedom for the first time and I wasn't perfect. I'm not saying that all of a sudden I was a guru but what I am saying is that for the first time in my life, or for the first time in six years, I actually felt like I could pursue him wholeheartedly. Psalms 19. And this is what happened in my own life as well. Sorry, not Psalms 119. I totally blew that. Psalms 119, I'll end with this. Verse 9. How can a young man or woman keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
I want us to focus on that verse, verse 10. With my whole heart I seek you. Purity is a matter of the heart. If you seek the Lord with your whole heart, there's no chance you'll entertain any of these other thoughts. And so the problem for us is not the fact that we're seeking the Lord with with our whole heart. It's the fact that we're not. It's the fact that we're tugged in all these different directions and our desires are pulled in these, all these different directions. And in Galatians chapter 5, when, when Paul is talking to the Galatians, he says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In the same way, Paul or David is talking about his heart is aligned with the Lord. And when you walk with the Spirit, your heart will be aligned with the Lord. And can I just tell you, for those of you, man, that come up, you know, that'll come up to me and talk to you, talk to me about your sexual sin and your addiction to pornography, I usually ask the question, man, are you in the in, are you in the Word? Are you in the Word in the morning before you are tempted, before the things of the world are just thrown at you? Are you in the Word, renewing your mind daily? Because I can tell you this: when you wake up in the morning, your heart is not aligned with the Lord. Your mind is not renewed. You need to renew it daily. And it's not a matter of do or don'ts. I'm not saying reading your Bible is going to cure it. But what I am saying is that in the word of God, when it says, how can a young man keep his way pure? David answers the question for us and he says, by guarding it according to your word. So reading the Bible is so much more than just getting head knowledge. It's about being pure. It's about lining your heart with God. It's about desiring him more than the things of the world. Let me pray for us and then you guys can go to your next seminar. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that we would be pure. That we would recognize what it means to be pure. That we would have wisdom in the things that we do that we would recognize our sin has consequences, both natural and spiritual. And we need you in order to fight our sin. God, I pray that there would be practical things in all of our minds, God, today that we need to follow in obedience for in order to kill our sin. Because we know our sin is killing us. And we know that there is effects for our sin. God, we're thankful for your word and we're thankful that you are a God that speaks to us and gives us commands because without them, we would have no idea how to live for you. So God, we're thankful. God, I pray that you would convict us and challenge us. Pray that we would love you more. In Jesus' name, amen.